All right, welcome to another episode of the Coffee Break Podcast, where our mission is to share business ideas, practices, and strategies while we share a cup of coffee. And today is going to be a fun episode. You are... You're in in for a treat today. Our guest today is Michael Hernandez. He's with Arthur Elliott. It's a marketing agency. And we're going to get into really a deep dive into data and how you can use data through Google or your social platforms or whatever to get the most out of advertising directly to the people that need your services. So we're going to talk a lot about that uh, and how it can be practical applications of advertising and marketing and things things that you as small business owners and leaders need to be mindful of. It's going to be a very valuable conversation, so make you make sure you stick around to the very end uh, where you'll get some great takeaways from Michael. It's all coming up right here on the Coffee Break Podcast, so grab a cup of coffee and join us for the conversation. We got so much to say, we got a podcast to make, we're sipping on lattes, and it's time for a coffee break. Time for a coffee break. Oh, yeah. Ready? I'm ready. All right, Michael, thank you very much for being here today. Uh, we're going to jump into rapid fire. It's a segment that we do five randomly selected questions with unknown point values, and we'll score you at the end. Perfect. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Should be fun. Yesterday, uh, we were recording an episode, and they made a thousand points. Just FYI, it's a record. I think I know who's in here, and so I'll have to uh, beat that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, here we go. Question number one. What band would you be embarrassed to admit that you listen to? Uh, Justin Timberlake. Really? You would be embarrassed to that? I mean, that's pretty... I'm I'm embarrassed that I actually like it now. Yeah. So... He he produces good music, though. Yeah, he does. He does. I mean, mean, if you're going to say, like, is in sync days or something like that, that may be a little awkward. I don't have. You know, if people would ask me, it's like like Robert Johnson, like the blues, and people would be like, you listen to the blues, like old? So actually, no, I'll take that back. Um, I still like like the Partridge family. (laughs) David Cassidy. (laughs) The Partridge family. My sister's favorite band growing up. There you go. Partridge, that's uh, that's awesome. All right, number two. What interesting skill do you want to learn? Interesting. Oh, actually, I want to learn how to um, jump out of a plane. It's. I think it's pretty easy. You just. Yeah, that's pretty easy. <laughs> I think the skill would be getting over the fear. <laughs> yeah, that would be that'd be something else. of hitting the ground. Actually, believe it or not, um, I'll take that back. I really want to learn how to sing. My whole life, I've always worn I can't carry a tune, yeah. but my next-door neighbor, she is a music teacher, and she teaches voice, and she said, we can teach pretty much anyone to sing. Mm. That would be an interesting skill to add. Yes. Somebody was on um, a couple of months back, Tanya uh, Lyon was on, and mm-hmm. she said that she had learned how to play the piano in the last year. Oh, wow, that's awesome. Yeah, so that one wasn't a randomly selected. Sorry, that was a redo. Anyways, number three, what are you an expert at? Um, I think I'm an expert people, getting to know people. Okay. Um, I love to hear people's stories. I love to engage with people. Um, you know, in part-time life, uh, photography. Mm-hmm. And so you have to have that rapport with people to get them to relax. Yeah. And I really do love to hear everybody's story because they've all got one. We just have to ask. Yeah, that is very true. Number four, uh, what was your first job and what did you like or dislike about it? Oh, wow. Um, 
I had two first jobs that were simultaneously. One was a rug store that was on South Boulevard here in Charlotte. Okay. Um, it did not last long. All right. Um, like many rug stores, they come and go. Okay. Um, that was really weird. Um, <laughs> the other one was the girl that I went to high school with. She got me a job at the Limited in Charlotte. Okay. And so that was all women's store. I guess it still is. And I was a stock boy in the back. And uh, so getting to be around a lot of uh, pretty girls in high school was yeah. not a bad thing. Yeah, there you go. All right, and then uh, number five, what show on Netflix do you binge watch? Oh, man, I had just finished watching uh, Mad Men. And okay. I'm actually very sad that it ended, and I was blown away by the ending. I think I'm one of the few that actually that really love the ending. Okay. Because can I give part of it away? I don't care. Who cares? Um, it was at the end... He, what, he is what he is. He is an advertising man, and yeah. he realized that. Yeah. And he is in lotus position and for yoga, and he a smile comes across his face, and then the screen goes dark, and they cut to a commercial, and it's the Coke commercial from the 70s. I'd like to buy the world a Coke. And you're like, through and through, the guy's a, he's yeah. an advertising guy. I, I, I tried to watch that show, and I just, there was a, I watched a couple of episodes, and I was just like, I, I don't know. Like, I just couldn't get into it. I had the same thing. It yeah. was, I think it took me like five episodes. A friend at work said, you're going to love it. And it's like, we're not, if it would have been a book, it would have yeah. been tossed. Sure, yeah. But I was like, all right, I've pretty much seen everything else right now. So I start watching that, and I was like. This is good. It got really good, actually. Got better. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I've had that recommendation from several people, but I've just never dedicated the time to it. Um, but I, it's funny. There's several series like that on Netflix that you start talking to people about, and they're like, well, just just avoid the first or second episode. Like, don't even yeah. worry about those. you got to start at number two or three. And it's like, what? Now, have you seen Bosch on Amazon Prime? No. Okay, that's a really good. It's a cop show. Okay. Have you seen True Detective? No. Oh, man. I don't... Yeah. But skip season two of True Detective. <laughs> All right, cool. Wait, you made it through rapid fire. Um, congratulations. We'll give you a score of 863. So <sighs> congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate it. There's really no reference to what that means, but uh, that's that's where we're at. Uh, really thank you for uh, coming on today, taking time out of your schedule, um, and, and just kind of chat a little bit. So tell us a, a little bit about where you are right now and what you're doing on a daily basis. So I work for an organization here in Charlotte, um, it's a digital marketing firm and ad agency called Arthur Elliott. Okay. And I'm one of the account executives there, and I manage a lot of our Napa business. Okay. Um, which is basically, you go out and you are the marketing agency for a small business. Sure. For a lot of small businesses. Okay. And it is really awesome because they're the backbone of middle America. They're the backbone of Main Street. You've got these people that own one shop, two shops. They employ 10, 15 people maybe per store. Sure. And so you get to help the underdog. Yeah. And man, that's a lot of power that you feel to, or you're emboldened to help that person succeed. I want to circle back around to that in, in just a few minutes, yeah. because I think, you know, one of our, like, you know, core audience demographics is small business owners. Yeah. And so I think we can really dive into some practical, uh, tactical things and say, hey, these are some things as you're thinking through getting prepped for marketing, these are some things you need to be prepared for. Um, before we get to that, I did want to circle back to some of your uh, some of your other 
I guess, endeavors that have brought you up to this point, because uh, when, as we were kind of talking and getting to know each other, um, the the understanding of how to train and deal with people is, I would imagine, been very beneficial in getting the most out of working with those types of clients, because you can't just go in there and force feed things down their throat. You have to understand how to get to know them, I guess, to, to cater to exactly what they're trying to accomplish. Oh, Exactly. Exactly. It is, um, it's about human connection. Yeah. It's about having, for me, in any business, if you have curiosity, mm. that will take you a long way. Yeah. It is a res- respect for people and to be curious about that person. Yeah. Um, that's extremely authentic. If you don't have that, they'll smell that a mile away. Sure. Um, and to me, it's, it's to not go in there with solutions and answers. Yeah. It's to go in there with a curiosity. And if you can help them, that's great. Mm-hmm. But you have to have the courage to be able to tell them that you can't. Sure. And, mm-hmm. you know, you'll be respected for that as well. Yeah. It's not an easy thing to do, but it, it does. I, we've, we've dealt with that on our end a couple of times. There were some projects that were just kind of uh, a little more than what we could take on at the time. Mm-hmm. And we had, to, we had to bow out of them um, during, the, during the estimating process. And caught a little flack for it on the process of bowing out of it, but we were much more comfortable not taking on more than we could handle at that time. And then it came back around for full circle once we were able to actually, you know, be able to work on the project of that size. But it's, it's much rather walk away from it before you, uh, before you have a, a really bad experience and then be able to improve on it in the future. But it's also the long-term play um, and t- to not be manipulative about it. But if you realize that you're not necessarily the perfect fit for a business, yeah, they're going to have respect for you for being honest, and they're going to tell people that. Yes, um, they will tell people. You know, they referred me to their competitor, or they referred me to someone else. And yes, we hate to lose business, just mm-hmm. like you hate to lose business. Yeah, but we're playing. We're in it for the long term. Yeah, you know, this is the long play. Yes, and to me, it's the best way to go. So, uh, in in some of your previous endeavors, you've you've been really big into training. So, yes, w- what are some core f- in small business? I think, and we've we've learned this time and time again as as you're building. Uh, a business, growing a business, training is a huge component of it. If it's done well, then you can grow at a good pace. If you if it's done poorly, then you kind of have a, a lopsided uh, uh, house of cards, right? Uh, so what are some things that you learned on the the aspect of training that really kind of stuck out, st- sticks out to you? And, yeah. you? and you would say to uh, small business owners, hey, these are some things that you really need to be thinking of as you're starting to grow. Well, one, your training has to be engaging. Um, it can't be boring. And yep. you, you have to follow what um, people want. And we talk about now that in today's market, your attention span with Netflix and everything else is either 13 seconds or three hours. Yeah. You're either going to binge something all the way through or it's going to be three seconds and I'm out of it. Yeah. Um, so one was to develop relevant content that speaks to them yeah. and their voice. Um, what else did I learn? I, th- I would say that you, you need to be authentic. You have to have the voice of the employee represented. You have to have the voice of the customer represented in training. Okay. And you need to have empathy um, as well. But you have to engage them when they are ready to learn. Because when they are ready to learn, that's an open willingness that says, I'm here. Okay. Versus saying... Okay, we're gonna we're gonna have a training session today at eight thirty a.m. I know you have a lot to do, sales calls, but we're gonna pull you all out of that and put you in this room, yeah. and we're gonna force feed you this train the trainer stuff. Gotcha. Then you're like, I'm checking my phone because I got a sales call I gotta make. You're not engaged. Yeah, just versus 
creating an environment where they're there and they're open and they're willing to receive that information. Okay. That makes a world of difference. And that's where online comes in. Gotcha. In my estimation, because when somebody logs on to an app um, or to a site on their computer, that means they're ready. Got they're it. open. Uh, okay. So you're what you're saying is instead of having an established time where you bring everybody in and kind of this is when we're going to train, having it almost self-service so the modules are already there and you can go in and they can learn when they're ready to learn. Yeah. And believe it or not, um, I learned you know this from you know one of the the best in the world, which is Jeffrey Gettimer and at the time Brian Parsley. Yeah. So they they taught me um, you know how to engage on those different platforms, and it was uh, beneficial to me in the long run. Just a reminder: you're listening to the Coffee Break podcast. Also, we wanted to let you know that our team puts together a weekly blog post. You can find it at locdoc.net/blog. It's guaranteed to raise your IQ by 12 points or your money back. So it's pretty much a win-win. All right, back to the conversation. Yeah, I think that's an interesting takeaway because it's a, it's a difficult thing. I know even from, from our world uh, in our business to wrap our head around that because, you know, you're, hey, we want to have some instructional time for training. Of course. And it's it's a, a lot easier, I guess, uh, to, to bring people in and set them down and say, all right, we're going to have training right now. The foresight to get it done ahead of time so that it can be online and available is a little more taxing, but it requires less upkeep in the long term. So it's that you're balancing of, okay, do I want to put the time in up front and it be settled and done, or do I want to kind of carry it along uh, in small spurts? Well, and there's there's different methods. I mean, you can engage. um, You've got a beautiful training room here, and you can definitely engage your employees in that method. If they know what's coming and you set the temperature, you set the mood the right way, Mm -hmm. and they know that it's going to be the same time every week or every month, yeah. And you've got something leading into it where they're relaxed. That's different. Sure. Um, and I think you guys probably achieve that here from what I've seen. Well, I, I follow that, but I, I think that there's a major value. Um, and, and just kind of thinking through everything you've just said to this point, a major value in having it also in a digital online format that either it's continual reference material. You know, hey, I don't exactly remember. You, you gave me like 42 things to learn in five weeks. So how can I go back and reference that is, yeah. a, is a great resource as well. Well, the one thing that I would caution any trainer or business leader to think about when you're in that environment, that person goes from being your employee to being your customer because mm-hmm. you have, you're, you have to persuade them hmm. and in order to persuade, you need to inspire people. Yeah. And so that's, if you, in the training session, if you're, you're in there and it's just, you're presenting from a PowerPoint and it's just, kind of a puke and spray. Yeah, I hate yeah. to be like that. But you need to have them engaged. You need to have them, you know, throw in some, I want you to write this down now. Yeah. Have somebody repeat something back. So you know they're all engaged. You mm. want to get all their senses active. Yeah. That's good. That's a good value-added point there yeah. because I think that's something that we miss out on a lot of times. It's just, you know, constantly feeding information. But having, you know, even, even if it's a, a document with, kind of fill in the in the spaces type thing it's creating i guess some type of an engagement well a lot of times too uh, you know as as business leaders we've got so many different things that are on our plate that we need to do yeah and if you're the one that's leading the training even the trainer they've got other things that they're doing as well sure and so sometimes they don't leave room to breathe and what i mean by that is if you watch a stand-up comic they'll tell the joke 
or the story, but they're leaving pauses in there because they know that's where the audience needs to get the joke and laugh. Yeah. And so when you're telling a story, you need to, or teaching, you need to have those pauses planned in and trained in that they can absorb it. They know that that was a key point. Yeah. Versus just a rapid fire trying to jam it down their throat through a fire hose. Yeah. Very we used to call it the drip irrigation method with either in train the trainer or online was you get them little bits of information because people can only remember so much. Hmm. And I think studies basically say after about a minute and a half to three minutes, people start to tune out. Yeah. You got to kind of breathe a little bit. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Let's switch gears back to the marketing thing because um, I, I, I'm very intrigued by uh, some of the things that you were already talking about and leading up to. Um, so in your in your current role, yeah. you're working with a lot of small businesses under a national brand. So Correct. There, there's a national brand connection, a directive there, but each independent each independent business has the right, I guess, to to go about their marketing in their own way as they see fit. Is well, that- it's a little bit like that. So what you want to do is you want to take the national strategy and you want to localize it. You okay. want to bring it to the hyper local level because you know what works in Peoria doesn't work in Charlotte versus San Diego. Yeah. There's all kinds of different uh, market segmentations. Okay. So you want to make sure that you're speaking to the right customer um, and tailoring that message to that customer. Makes sense. So that is that's a, a big component of localizing the account management because you've got to understand the local region what that you're that you're marketing to. Yeah, of course. You need to understand. Well, there's two things. You need to understand the boots on the ground mentality. Yeah. Like, what's the culture like? What's the community like? Um, specifically with with Napa, and they call the owners jobbers. Okay. Are, is the name for them? Hmm. Is uh, they're very active in their community because they know without the community, without that, yeah. they don't have a business. Sure. And so most of them support and donate and are involved in the local community. Gotcha. So they in turn come back and, and support the, the, uh, the business. And the funny thing that we learned about is people will write off millennials and the younger generations and saying they're cynical, yeah. but they're not. If you're engaged in your community, in an authentic way, yeah. that younger generation is going to be there for you. Most definitely. Now, that's very, very intriguing. So with, with that, as you go in with, with these jobbers yeah. um, and start talking over these strategies with them, how are you – is this a, an information gathering and then trying to apply it? Are you helping to kind of coach them in a certain direction? Like what's the – how does that typically what, – what are some of the, the, the hurdles that you're having to jump through navigating what maybe they want to communicate to their customer base versus what their consumer needs to hear. It's all the above. You you go in and first of all, you're going to go in with your ears open. Okay. It's more of a discovery session. Um, I wouldn't propose a solution in the first meeting um, ever because I want to go back and do my due diligence. I want to have all the information that I've gathered by asking questions mm-hmm. and come up with a plan that, that I think and our team thinks that will benefit them the most. Mm-hmm. Now, ultimately, it's up to them. It's their business. Sure. They can say thumbs up, thumbs down. Yeah. Where you run into challenges is you'll have local communities that are in remote areas mm-hmm. where technology is there, but it's just not as prevalent. Yeah. And when I mean prevalent, it's not as visual to people. It's there. People use it. I mean, most everybody has a smartphone. Mm-hmm. And so trying to explain how to advertise digitally mm-hmm. um, is difficult for some seniors. And I mean that in the most positive way because what I respect about them 
is how do you marry the digital aspect of that to the handshake aspect of that? Yeah. Because they grew up in their business where you look a man or woman in the eyes and you shake their hand yeah. and that's business. Mm -hmm. So how do you bring that human element into the digital world? Yeah. And so that's what we really try to do is just show them that this isn't um, some movie that you watched on TV with Tom Cruise and it's the sure. futuristic thing. It is, digital is just, it's a space, it's a method for advertising. And it's created by people, yeah. for people. Well, it's, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm processing that. It's, it's an interesting component and it seems to be a recurring theme uh, with a lot of folks that we've been talking to lately about humanizing Correct. that business, humanizing that local business. Because at the end of the day, it's like, I don't know, and maybe I'm off, my perspective is everything was very humanized back in the day because it was that handshake. It was that in-person type conversation. And then we shifted over to all digital. It was all kind of very transactional. Yeah. And now we're like, oh, how do we get back to that? We've already gone to digital. Now we've got to go back and, and humanize the digital again. And so, but the really cool thing is that you have the ability to use the digital to show the human side of a business. See, that's perfect. Um, and I love the ask. One, one I, lo I love cause marketing, if it's done the right way. Um, two. Define cause marketing. Um, it would be, if I've got uh, a company, an owner, a brand that is involved um, in the local community. Okay. I want to highlight that in an authentic way that doesn't cheapen what they're doing. Sure. I want to let the community know the story. Okay. So I'm going to tell it not in a salesy way or in an ad way, but more in an informational way okay. to let them know this is kind of what's happening and why they support them and not mention anything about product. Got it. That way they, they make that connection. Okay. Um, and what was the second point? I just I don't know. I sorry, I cut you off on your second point. You no, said that's it, all right. You said cause uh, a, a cause marketing. Yes, a, a cause cause okay. marketing, and then um, I completely spaced on what oh, the next thing was. No worries. So this you, is why I need more coffee. Yeah, exactly. Humanizing the using that digital to humanize. So I know what I was going to say, okay. and it was right now with so many data points. Mm -hmm. um, and this is a good thing and a bad thing. When we look back on the last election, all those data points were used in a negative way. Yeah. And people, they always get scared about the digital and all these. I mean, people have, you know, 5,000, 10,000 data points on them just from being online. Yeah. Um, but if you do the marketing the right way, you're serving ads to people that, that want that information anyway. Sure. And it's not in a way that's overbearing, over the top. It's something they're interested in anyway. Mm -hmm. And honestly, m nobody clicks on a banner ad anymore. Yeah. It, it is an awareness campaign. Uh, if they do click on it, it is, I think it's 0.1%. Yeah. It, and anything above that, it's like above the gold standard. You know, it's, it, it's interesting. I'll give you a, a, maybe an interesting perspective as well. I don't really go on websites. No. You know, I mean, it's it's information that I'm receiving through Twitter, LinkedIn, yeah. or Facebook or Instagram or something like that. Now, maybe it might launch me into an embedded page, but it's rare outside of a Google search that I'm actually going to a web page to even click on a banner ad. Now, we just had this conversation this morning. Okay. How are how likely are you to click on an ad that's in Instagram? So if uh, it comes through and a it's a shoe. Have you bought shoes? Um, Birds? Now, you're, all you're saying all this stuff, and I'm going to get all these ads for it on my oh, device. No, sorry. I, um, I, no, I've not. I don't think I've purchased any shoes. Uh, I did purchase some coffee products. Okay. Um, a a pour-over setup that I was an Instagram because, you know, my Instagram feed is essentially coffee and locks. So, yeah. 
Well, and a lot of people, believe it or not, this is the discussion we had this morning at our office, which was more people are apt to click on an Instagram ad mm -hmm. than anything that's on Facebook, anything that's on a website. Interesting. And so it's, why, why I, don't, I don't necessarily have this, there's stats behind that, but I think the comfortable with. Do they know that Instagram is Facebook? Yes, they know, especially now that Facebook has redone their logo and it pops up when you log into Instagram. Like, I don't, I'm not going to click on these Facebook ads. They're creepy. Yeah. Uh, Instagram. But uh, I think it's just because the nature of the scroll yeah. and it's the image, it's the quick hit or a video yeah. that's not, it's it's muted, mm -hmm. which you can do set mm -hmm. up. And so it's just like, okay, I like that. I'll click on that. Yeah. And, and you're, you don't leave the app. You're still in the app unless you decide, take me to the browser. Yeah. Um, but so a lot of people stay in that, you know, walled environment, that walled garden. But I, going, kind of getting back to to that component of it, the banner ad is obviously, I mean, I guess there's, I'm sure there's a, there's still a huge market for it. I'm yes, just thinking there is. From, from my personal digital, you know, footprint, it's very rare outside of, you know, our um, our online web apps that we have that aren't obviously have, don't have uh, banner ads on them, but it's very rare that I'm just kind of browsing through internet. But when you see somebody like for me, it's uh, I wear these shirts and they're like surfer shirts, but they're golf shirts. Okay, and I won't name the brand, but I get um, ads for them everywhere that I am. Okay, w within apps, yeah, on websites, Wall Street Journal, yeah. you name it. Um, what it is is. Yeah, when people go and they think they see this, they see this banner ad. That's not the only place this is being served. So it's 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 omni-channel. Sure. So if I'm a brand, I'm gonna go everywhere where my client base is, yeah. or where my prospects are gonna live. Mm -hmm. So when people see something, they think, oh, why would anybody click on that? Well, chances are that's just one component of the strategy. Yeah. It's in the paper. It's digital. It's everywhere. Mm -hmm. Hey, thanks for listening to the Coffee Break Podcast. If this information has been helpful to you or you just really kind of like our theme song, can you help us out by rating us on whatever app you're using? And if you get really fancy, how about sharing a screenshot on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or LinkedIn? Okay, enough of all this. Let's get back to the conversation. So tying it all back to, to a central point. Yes. We're, we're running um, a, an ad currently um, in, in association with uh, protected keys that we're really focused on right now. And so it's just a quick little, a little 30 second uh, animated video. Yeah. Uh, and drawing attention to that process. And we're running it on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn. And then it obviously drives back to a page on our website that we're trying to give information on. But it's it's just that grab point. It's just that, hey, is this, is this something that draws your attention? Is this something that you're interested in? And then bringing it back in. But we're trying to do that across the board. So um, like the theory would be that maybe you have that conversation with one of our team members out in the field, but then it also gets served up to you in your Facebook feed. Mm -hmm. And so now you're like, hey, well, hold on a second. What is this? It's all it's all kind of tying together. Now, are you capturing all that data, all those metrics? Oh, yeah. Okay, that's good. Why not? Well, no. I mean, th this is where the marketing, this is where the magic happens. And as we talked about before we went on the show, that there's a podcast called Math and Magic. Yep. And Math and Magic, those terms go back to the era of Mad Men. Yeah. And the, the math is the analytics, the data of it. And the magic is the creative. Yeah. And you have to have both of those. And they work together. A lot of times, they both will drive each other. Yeah. Um, but analytics alone just doesn't work um, without the creative. And I love taking, okay, does this work? Sure. Does this creative work? And let's see. And then run especially with Facebook, I mean, you can run two parallel ads mm -hmm. and, and 
optimize it and see which one kind of works. Yeah. And that's that's wonderful to see. You know, with all this conversation, we're just going to get fed. Yeah, I know. Facebook ads for Facebook ads. I'm waiting for it to pop up in my watch <laughs> as we sit here and talk. It's crazy. I've got, um, I, I was looking at a hotel the other week, a, a specific hotel, and they can, I and I booked a room there, but I keep getting ads on all of my Facebook and Instagram. It's like, hey, guys, I've already gotten this taken care of. You don't have to continue to advertise to me. So let me ask you a question. Based yeah. on the market, like, what's the most... Let's let's go to email marketing. Mm. What's the most annoying thing you think about email marketing? Like what bugs you the most when you log into whatever email, whether it's work or personal? Mm-hmm. What kind of ad? Like what kind of email just drives you crazy? The e- uh, there's not a specific email that drives me crazy. It's the the overwhelming frequency of it. So you know if, if there's some if there's a company that sends an email every single day, it just it's just like, I, I'm done. You yeah. Know? But w- it's interesting, too, and, and email marketing is becoming more and more complicated uh, from my perspective because you know, I use Gmail, mm-hmm. and it's, I have all of my mail categorized. So I don't even really see – I might just see it, a header pop up on my watch, but I don't really see the email because yeah. it puts it in a separate tab that I go check every once in a while. Yeah, I'm in that same boat. Yeah. Or the ones in Gmail that you're like, you can't get rid of? Yeah. That you're forced to look at? Um, no, it's like, for, I, the only reason I say that is because, you know, I'm struggling with that now. It's I get, I get overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And so I think I decided to, uh, I'm just going to start up another Gmail account. And anytime I'm on the web looking for stuff, I'm going to be logged in under that. Mm. They're going to give that mail because I want to I do a test. Like, give myself a different name, and I want to see how far that goes down the chain of yeah. where my information is sold to. So there's a couple interesting things on that, and from our perspective, and I'd be interested to hear what you're seeing as well, but from the email marketing side of things, we have, there. if, if you were to look at engagement across the board, and you say Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and email marketing, in that order, reversed order, e- email marketing has the highest rate of engagement, LinkedIn is the second, and mm-hmm. then we start tearing down from there. Actually, it would be like Facebook and then Instagram and then yeah. Twitter. But uh, what is that the typical norm? Where how are you guys seeing that from a from an an engagement standpoint? Is email? Are you guys seeing email marketing like going out the door, or is it ramping back up? No, especially for in my um, for my clientele, which is Napa. Mm-hmm. Um, their email marketing is huge. It's Napa Rewards, okay, um, and they don't overuse it, okay, um, and it's done in a way that really sticks with the brand. Some of it's kind of tongue-in-cheek with the brand. Okay. Um, but you're dealing with a lot of people that are do-it-yourselfers and gearheads. Yeah. Um, mechanics, um, weekend mechanics. So you have a lot of leeway okay. to talk to them. And th- they're looking at parts. They're looking at stuff they need. Sure. So th- they want those that message. It's not like another clothing ad. It's not, you know. So are you guys seeing it more like, hey, here's, here's what's on sale. Here's a coupon yep. type thing. Or is it like, here's a tip and trick type? All, all the above. Okay. A lot of it's... Um, so Napa know-how, know-how for everyone, okay. which is very um, inclusive. Okay. So it's we do it for you um, if you don't know how to do it, yeah. or we will um, let you do it. Interesting. So you're, you're serving two markets there. Another question for you. Uh, influencer marketing, are you seeing that happening with a brand, a brand type like Napa? You know, you, um, you know I was going to say, you see it, but you see it through people that are like paid drivers. Okay. And so Ron Caps um, is on the staff, you know, 
paid by Napa. And he is a funny car driver. Okay. And he is probably the most engaged person that I've ever seen that loves the brand that he's always he was so he was at the Super Bowl. He's a 49ers fan. Okay. And he got to use, you know, the big Parabellum mics. Okay. I think it's Parabellum is what it's called. Oh, the uh, big uh, Yeah, I where you can hear all the voices. Mm-hmm. He's wearing his, his Napa hat. Gotcha. And he's not paid to do that. So you've got um, like the NASCAR driver, he does his events. That's okay. awesome. He's great at what he does, uh, Elliot. Um, but somebody like Ron Caps, he's very approachable. He's always talking about the brand. That's an influencer that yeah. well, it's amazing. I, 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 the reason I'm asking that question is because I'm the influencer market and marketing is is just so intriguing to me. I'm trying to figure out some of the different components of it. It's an easy lift when it's uh, an event or if it's uh, you know apparel or you know a bag or something yeah. like that, right? A, a brand like Napa, it's I, I would see that more of you know a, a mechanic that's doing the 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 do it yourself type tips and tricks online all the time. Well, then you're yeah, then you're getting more to uh, you know not necessarily Instagram unless it's really short, but then you're getting into the YouTube yeah um, where somebody's showing you hey this is how you change your oil and I this got all these parts from Napa yeah, yeah that kind of stuff. Um, we're seeing a little bit of a trend move towards. Not individuals, but to communities. Yeah. Um, and so start engaging with communities that are around like auto parts or that are around, um, you know, I, I wouldn't know for your industry unless it would be safety or yeah. or privacy. But um, for us, a lot of it is, you know, it's part of the American dream, a car. Sure. You know, and I think maybe not as much as it used to be, but... You know, when you turn 16 yeah. and you got your license, that was freedom. Yeah. That was the road, man. Mm-hmm. Give me the keys and I am out of here. Yeah. And I think today's market's just a little bit differently. I, I know there's kids out there today that are, uh, why do I want to drive? My parents are going to drive me. Why do I need to get my license? That was not me. No, no. It was counting down the days. F- uh, fun story. And we've given Napa a lot of uh, airtime today. But Sorry, my, my, <laughs> no, my grandfather uh, back in the day used to call it the NAPA store. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow! I, I, until I was probably, I don't even know, ten or eleven years old, I thought it was the NAPA store. That's what we it was referred to. Now, where are you from? North Carolina. Okay, that's that's interesting. That's uh, you know, we had a. I went to college in Boone, North Carolina, and we had a Napa store there. And um, I just remember every time I'd come come back to college, yeah. right there on the right side of the road, Napa. Yeah. First thing I saw coming into town yeah. was Napa. He must not have been really big on acronyms, so he yeah, just, <laughs> just gonna call the letters out. <laughs> there you go. There. Can you copy this key? That's a question we get asked about 3,422 times a year. And how can you actually be sure that the person who asked that question is supposed to get a copy of that key? Well, we think you should always know who can copy your keys to your business and your home because it could be your neighbor, an old employee, a contractor, or even worse, your mother-in-law. At LockDock Security, we believe in protected key systems so you always know who has a copy of your key. To find out more, visit LockDoc.net or stop by our Charlotte location. LockDoc Security, helping you protect your people and your property. So we were talking about Google data before, or just data points in general, that mm-hmm. essentially if you're, in, if you're carrying a smartphone, you've most likely activated all this, and so you're being tracked. It was, uh, I, was, I saw a video, or it was an article on Wired, um, the, that I was reading earlier today, and this this guy uh, had 
discovered an interesting component of data points. He was, uh, I think he had seen like some gathering. I don't know if it was a protest or some celebration or parade or something like that, but it was showing essentially on Google Maps a um, a traffic jam in mm-hmm. that area, but there were zero cars. So it was just showing that there was heavy traffic in the yeah. area. And so he was testing the theory, and so he was able to convince 99 people. This is the part of the story that's very interesting. He was able to convince 99 people to let them let him borrow their cell phones. <laughs> I would never do that, but he had all of their phones, and he put them in a little red wagon, and he just would was walking down the street um, in, like, remote places that didn't have any traffic and he was just walking down the street with this little red wagon with these 99 cell phones in there and then they were showing the live google data image at the same time and it was just showing essentially the traffic jam everywhere he went but he was the only guy in the street that's awesome he just told google they have a flaw in their system well it's it, i guess the whole kind of point of his his article was you're constantly feeding data out even if you're even if you oh, don't yeah. think you are and it can be used for really good but you know it's also it can also be hacked or tweaked so you you throw a bunch of people in an intersection with a phone and now there's a traffic jam and it's going to start rerouting people and that's one of the most interesting things um that d- those are the positive things that data can give you, mm-hmm. right? So if it if it shows that there's a bunch of people there, it can reroute traffic. But where is it going to reroute you? It's based off of where those those paid data points are going to yeah. send you. Well, here I'll tell you, it's something that's really cool. Um, I don't necessarily like the term they use for it because mm-hmm. it's called uh, predatory marketing. Um, <laughs> Why would you not like that? I just like to, we're going to leverage this is what, we're going to leverage it to your advantage. Okay. So we can basically, it's basically searching keyword on steroids. Okay. And so you're going to take like your customer, say you've got a competitor and they've Mm -hmm. got a website and they have a similar product to yours and it could be, let's just call it superhero lock, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's competitor.com forward slash superhero lock. Mm -hmm. We're going to make that whole URL a keyword. Okay. So anytime somebody goes to that and they access that key, that, that keyword, mm-hmm. that URL, we're going to serve them an ad for LockDoc. Gotcha. For that specific product. Yeah. And so we can go through all those URLs of the competition. Yeah. And so as soon as they access that and hit it, they're getting ads for you. Gotcha. Or whatever we decide it's going to sure. be. And to me, that's, I love that, that aspect. Yeah. That's that kind of stuff keeps me up at night or wakes me up at four in the morning thinking about how can I use it. The competitor side of it is, is I, I would say, the, the very interesting component, but really where the deep dive for me on that stuff is starting to think, okay, what are other things that they would, other websites that they would be going to, not competitors, but in a related sense? So, um, and I, I, I can't think of a good idea off the top of my head, but essentially maybe they're searching for uh, a realtor to, to buy or sell their home. Okay, so if they're searching for a realtor and they're on a realtor website, mm-hmm. okay, that's a search field. Yeah. So we can you can track that as well. Yeah. So if, if you, whatever keywords that you have that you're tracking, and they're putting that in any kind of search field, yep. you, you've got that data yep. that now you can serve ads to. It's, so for us in the commercial uh, real estate market, it would be anybody that is looking for office space, anybody yeah. that is looking for a broker. Those would be the type of people that would be an ideal customer for us, and they are going to be in the market to use our services at some point in the given future because they're they're looking for a complimentary type service. Mm-hmm. We do something that's kind con- it's, well, we call it dwell time. Um, and so you may have a customer, um, 
I have a customer, an auto parts mm-hmm. dealer, and they may need new employees. Okay. Or they want to have a deep bench okay. to pull from. And so what we can do is we can run dwell time ads. And so we can fence, digital fence around their competitors. Okay. And so if that device has been in that space for four days in a row, yeah. We know they work there. Yeah. So now we can start to serve them ads. Mm-hmm. Hey, come work for company X. Yeah. Come work for company Y. Um, to me, that's useful. Yeah. That's a great thing because if I, you never know, like you never know that one day when that person feels, you know what, I want to work for somebody that's going to value who I am and the skill set that I have, and that ad hits them at the right time. Yeah. And it's the right person, the right time mentality. Yeah. That what we talked about with training. Yeah. Um, it's the same mentality. That they're they're there to receive that information. So the constant twenty four seven of the right ads at the right time, it works. You know, I used the analogy to a friend of mine. I said, you know, you can go the digital route and it does work. Or you can pay somebody minimum wage to sit out in front of your store, mm-hmm. dress like the Statue of Liberty, and swing a sign around five days a week. That's now, right. which is going to be more beneficial to you, and which can you track? Sure. Are you going to go out there and track horns and waves? Yeah. You know, so to me, the digital way is uh, to quote uh, whatever that movie is with uh, you know the way of the future, Howard Hughes. Uh, is that the, the one aviator? With, yes, yes. Okay. And it's the future. It's the wave of the future. <laughs> now I'm getting crazy. Sorry. <laughs> All right. So uh, real quick, just kind of a, to kind of bring this to a close. How is uh, how is, is is how are you taking that data right now and trying to help customers turn that into actual sales? The the data that, that we've been talking about. How are you actually taking that and turning it into something real for the so clients? right now? You're going to look when here's the challenge when all this data comes back. Mm-hmm. Again, it's just data. And so there, mm-hmm. there are no insights involved. That takes some doing. Um, to me, when you can get the data to have, I know I'm kind of going all over the place with this, but when you can distill it down into evidence, yeah. it's got insight built into it. Gotcha. So if I can go to them and show them real time um, what happened because of ad A, B, or C, yep. that they actually converted and went into a store, went to their website, did actions that we said ahead of time that this is what we expect, and they hit those triggers, Yeah, then we've won. But again, we talk about people. It, everything goes back to people. No matter how far down the digital train we go, eventually you have to interact with a person. Mm-hmm. And so... Our job is to get them to the front door, yeah. but also have the marketing in place that when they get in that front door, that they're going to want to buy the product. Yeah. Um, then the training comes in, as you mentioned, hopefully that the person that owned the business, those front-facing people that are facing the client, they do their job correctly. Sure. So I, I guess we'll leave on kind of one last thing, because I, I, this has been our experience yeah. dealing with any anybody that has come in to try to to put any advertising package together for us or try to sell us some advertising or marketing plan or anything like that. They've typically come in with a predetermined plan based off of what they think is best for our business without understanding exactly what it is that we do. And for us, we get lumped into the locksmith category. And so they come in and they sit and they go, hey, we can help get people here so you can unlock their cars. And we're like, well, that's not going to do anything for us because we don't unlock anybody's cars. Yeah. And and then it's trying to 
bridge this gap between what they're trying to trying to force you or trying to to sell you on this marketing strategy versus where you think you actually need to be. So my question to that is, as as a little bit of setup, is what should people as as small business owners that are saying, hey, I, this is something I really need to get involved with, or this is something I really am interested in. What are some advice or some questions that they need to be asking a marketing company that would help to get them to an actual successful plan versus just what they're trying to kind of uh, trying to sell them a bag of goods? I think the first thing to do is have your antennas up for the amount of questions and the quality of questions that that person is asking you. Okay. And to look at them to see if they're actually listening. And I know in today's market, you can read on LinkedIn, you can read on Inc. and Forbes, wherever you want to go, they're teaching you listening skills, how to look like you're paying attention. Well, you know what? <laughs> we all see through that. You know, people do see through that. Yeah. And you just need to know that they're engaged. You can feel when somebody's engaged and they're asking the right questions. Yeah. And if they come back with a solution to you in that meeting, chances are they're not, they don't know your business. Sure. Um, or I wouldn't want to do business with them because it's they're looking at it as turn and burn. Yeah. And they want to move on to the next thing. They've got you pegged in a market that says, you're in this square box. Yeah. I want to put you in here. Um, I've talked to people in our home office, and they've got a marketing plan that's already put together that I can give you. Sure. Um, I just don't think that's right. I think that you get to know, um, one, your objectives. What do you want to do? Yeah. What do you want to grow? Um, where do you want to be? Well, five years is ridiculous, but where do you want to be 12 months from now? Where yeah. do you want to be 18 months from now? And then let's kind of, let's work together to build there. And you got to have, if they're not willing to set up touch points along the way yeah. to say, okay, is this working? Then that's another red flag. You need to have those touch points built in sure. to say, bring the data back. Let's, let's, let's deep dive. Gotcha. What's working. What do we need to tweak? I think it's interesting uh, that that approach and it's something that we all have to be mindful of because at the end of the day, a lot of small business owners, when they get into that conversation, I don't know if it's intimidated, confused or whatever, that they're just like, I don't want to make a decision because I don't really, I, I, we're just not seeing eye to eye. So yeah. anytime that you talk about marketing with a small business owner, I don't say anytime, that's a definitive. Oftentimes when you talk with about marketing with a small business owner, there's a, a lot of question marks. There's a lot of like uh, cautionary tales. So finding that right person that you can work with and mm -hmm. that you can kind of have that mutual connection and that trust built is obviously going to be a, a huge benefit. Um, but it is something that happens regularly that small business owners are almost paralyzed by making a decision because they just don't really know what's right. Well, and I completely understand that. And, you know, as we talked about earlier that uh, a former guest you had likes to say at the end of the day, people do business with people yeah. and people they like. Yep. And it does come down to that. And I would, I would tell a small business owner to not be afraid to say, I don't know. Yeah. Stop. Explain this to me. You know, that's part of your job when you're coming to me to, to present this material and want to be, you know, my vendor. Sure. Um, to explain this to me so I understand it yeah. and not make me feel like an idiot yeah. for asking the question. Sure. Um, and you should, you should be comfortable on the other side of the table as the marketer to distill it down so they understand it. You need to know your audience. Yeah. You need to speak your audience's language. So, you know, if, if they're high-tech people, you got to speak to them in that language. Yeah. Um, I always go back to the book um, or the Six Languages of Love. Sure. 
So if you know that book and then you know that if you're speaking the same, somebody's love language, it connects. Yeah. And so we used to teach this back in the days with Brian Parsley, as we mentioned earlier, that if you're going into a sales room and your sales technique is quote unquote German, mm -hmm. and you are talking to someone that's in the C-suite, but they receive in French, yeah. they're gonna send you to someone that receives in German. Yeah. So you or gotta- send you out the door. Exactly, pretty quick. <laughs> so that's a convoluted way of saying, you gotta know the person you're going to meet with. So mm -hmm. do your, do your due diligence. And on, to end on that, when we talk about uh, presentations and pitches and having those meetings, um, don't go into it as a presentation. Yeah. Um, kind of use the, the Steve Jobs format of one, rehearse. Rehearse until your tongue is tired and your brain aches. So when you go in, everything is internalized and you're having that conversation where you're not thinking about the next question you're going to ask yeah. because then you're ignoring what they're telling you. Sure. That everything's internalized. You can have that information as we keep talking about earlier. You're open to receive. Yeah. And they're open to listen. Yeah. So uh, I, I said this four times, the last thing that I was going <laughs> to ask you, but um, kind of in, in that closing aspect of trying to understand exactly uh, what it is. Do you have any reference material that you would say, hey, if, uh, if somebody is interested in, in marketing, is it a book, a, a blog, a, a website, or uh, maybe a podcast or something that you would say, hey, you probably would want to check this out just so that you can be more uh, aware of, of some things? Yeah. Um, there are two authors and their their names escape me now, but the name of the book is called Positioning. Okay. It's kind of the marketer's um, Bible. It's an older book, but man, it is worth it. And uh, Confessions of an Admin by David Ogilvy. Okay. And one book that I just read that I absolutely adore and love, it's, um, I can't think of the name of it. It's The Yellow Tux. Okay. If you're familiar with the book, nope. it's, uh, it's a guy that owns a baseball team um, down in Savannah. The Savannah Bananas. The Savannah Bananas. So that name yeah. came from a contest. Yes. And he wears the Yellow Tux to the stadium. So if you want to know marketing and how crazy you can get with it, uh, read that book. It's an easy read. It's fun. Yeah. It gives you uh, it gives you great little nuggets that you're like, man, I want to try that. Or it'll inspire you to think of your own, which is even better. Awesome. If anybody wants to get a hold of you, how can they do that? Um, you can reach me at uh, Capture Happy um, on Instagram and Twitter, or Michael at ArthurElliot.com. Cool. Thank you very much for your time today. It's been a blast. Ah, glad to be here. Thank you. Yep. Hey, Michael, thank you very much for joining us for the conversation today. It's been a blast. Uh, I've learned a lot from this this conversation, and I'm really excited uh, about what's coming up in the future. We've got tons of great podcasts and great topics to discuss with you. So in order for you to get the latest, make sure you subscribe. Go to lockdoc.net slash podcast. There's new icons, actually, that you can click on and subscribe to all of the podcast platforms that we're linked up with. So make sure you go check that out. Get subscribed. There's a new episode every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. And we share that out live on Facebook and YouTube. And then it's available for audio download on all of the podcast platforms. So make sure you check that out. There's topics just like this and many others on business leadership, management. Uh, a, there, we've got one on the Enneagram that we recently had a conversation about. There's lots of valuable information. Go check it out. Make sure you, uh, you subscribe to get all the latest. 
the, these podcasts, they're available in audio form and video form as well. As mentioned on Facebook and YouTube, search it up, L-O-C-D-O-C-I-N-C, and you can see all of the videos there and then subscribe for the audio version. And we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Coffee Break Podcast. <laughs>